Welcome to the Geek Teak Podcast, where I'm here with your wife, my wife. What did we go by last time? I chose your wife because it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, that's about right. Um, we're here with your wife, and it's see, you're, <laughs> you're so uncomfortable saying your wife, and you're we're like six inches away from each other right this now. This is weird. I'm usually looking at a screen that has words on it with the show notes, and I'm looking at you instead. And it's not a bad switch, but it's definitely different. Um, BJ's out this week, so I'm here with your wife. This is going to be weird to say. You are enjoying this already, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question before we start. Does it ruin continuity if I take a giant swig of water from my gallon jug right right here sitting right beside me? Because I'm super thirsty and we're going to be... Now that you've brought it to everyone's attention, no, go ahead. Glug, 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 glug. glug. Hang on a sec. Mmm, so good. That's that good, good ASMR stuff for your listeners. Yes. Um, You have seen the new Jurassic World, and I have not, but I've heard a lot about it from you, and I wanted to talk about it because it seems ridiculous, and I've read plenty of spoilers online, and I will watch it at some point. Ask me how many times Chris Pratt should have died in this film. How many? Well, you just asked yourself. Go ahead. Tell me. It's. I think it's around four or maybe five times. Okay. And also, I don't think dinosaur to dinosaur blood transfusions would work at all. That doesn't seem like a thing that should happen. Well, let me tell you something about Jurassic World and the Jurassic franchise. It's about dinosaurs. Okay, I knew this. I have seen all of the other ones, just not the one that's been out for like a couple weeks. I feel like these movies were not remade. It's not the same movie, but it's the continuation of this world that it's made specifically for the kids that grew up with it. And now that we are the generation of consumers, we're just going to eat this stuff up. And we have, I have, I'm, I'm so, I'm so into it. I'm so into it. And there's Easter eggs galore. There's actors returning for 30 seconds of screen time and people will pay IMAX theater ticket prices to see Jeff Goldblum sitting at a desk for two minutes. They want that good, good millennial money. Yes, it is. And I think they're making bank on it and it's totally worth it. And it has this, you know, I don't accept premise easily. Yeah. Right? Like that's one of the biggest things where I don't, I just don't accept the premise. Therefore, I dislike the entire thing. But there's something about the way these stories are woven that you start off the Jurassic story. The Jurassic yeah. World story. So there's two Jurassic World movies. The first one, you start with, okay, yeah, they imprint on a mother just like birds would do, right? Like goslings, they hatch out of eggs and they imprint on the first animal or whatever they see. And that becomes their mother. So they've taken that because dinosaurs obviously evolved into birds. So they've taken that information and said, these four velociraptors have imprinted on chris pratt i mean who wouldn't i would imprint on chris (laughs) pratt (laughs) let's be honest so they imprint on chris pratt and he trains them to be a little herd which is great i mean yeah they have a mama and there's four of them and they all react and they sort of get trained but they still have their precautions like never turn your back to the cage and people can still get eaten they're still velociraptors and stuff and by the end of that movie they are on a motorcycle or four-wheeler going through the jungle at night with the velociraptors running around them in a little pack And the velociraptors have GoPros on their heads and they're hunting a giant hybrid 
dinosaur. I remember, yeah. And to make that jump, if you just told me that, I would say, no way, I don't accept the premise. But I was, like, cheering on this little pack. I'm like, oh, yeah, this makes total sense. Like, why wouldn't you put a GoPro on the Velociraptor's head? You need to see the feed, right? And I just, you just accept it. And I love the way that they do that. That it, ta- it takes, like, a ridiculous enough premise, and then it just keeps building on it to the point where it's utterly and completely more ridiculous, but you can buy into it anyway. You just said what I just said, but with fewer words. Yeah, that happens a lot, I feel. That's why we work. It, yes, I it's think. part of our relationship. So tell me the five or four ways that Chris Pratt should have died in this movie, because I think this is what you mainly wanted to talk about today. Okay, so... These might not be in order. I think he's crushed by the head of the T-Rex. Okay. Not eaten, like, with teeth, like, crushed on the side of a trailer. Oh, that's not a good way to go. Yeah. He gives the thumbs up, though, but I'm pretty sure that dinosaur's head weighs a lot more, and he should have been crushed. Number two is, I'm going to bring up Pompeii. I studied Pompeii a lot. I think it was 79 AD. I'm going off memory from grade school. 79 AD. Pompeii was destroyed not by lava, but by pyroclastic flow. It's literally superheated ash that comes at you like an avalanche. And it's not a cloud. It's like almost a solid thing. And you don't suffocate like you would in like a house fire where you have a carbon something and it slowly kills you and then you fall asleep and then you're dead. It's so, it's fast and it's so hot that you don't even have time to suffocate. You're just dead. That's why there's all of these petrified bodies at Pompeii. Like, I don't know if they're technically fossilized or something like that, but it's, it's just petrified. And this is, this is like the blast from the trailer. Like, I think anyone who saw the trailer of Fallen Kingdom saw this, right? Where yeah. they're like in the there, ball and they're going well, down the... Yeah, the, da- the danger aspect of why they're going back to the island is to save the dinosaurs from this devastating event of this volcano erupting and and so there's a little bit of back and forth of do we save them do we not and things happen to where that's the moral thing of the story yeah and it's not even the trailers make it seem like that's the thing yeah that's not the thing like they get that's in the first half an hour of the film is the the, the, the volcano is wrapped up yeah the volcano part is wrapped up so it's it's a lot more than that but the volcano erupts and they're running from it, and there's what appears to be this pyroclastic flow. Like, there's this superheated ash coming down the mountain, and they're running from it, and it overtakes Chris Pratt, and then he runs out of it. And then and, he's fine? And then he's, well, then he jumps off a cliff down hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of, okay, so that's another one. But as soon as the 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 ash envelops his body and he disappears, I'm like, oh, he's dead. Like, You've died now. Ga- yeah. Game over. Goodbye, Chris Pratt. Yeah. Like, you lose some coins, and then you go back to the last save point, right? Like, that's what yeah. happens. And But then he just runs out of it, like, completely unscathed. No ash across his face. No nothing. Well, I mean, I guess he does jump off the cliff into the water, so it's, like, healthy rinse after that. But, but that's, like, jumping. That's, like, concrete from that. If it's really a cliff into water. Well, and he luckily avoids all the jagged rocks. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's convenient. It's real nice. Uh, The other one was, oh, yeah, so he's shot with a tranquilizer dart that is... Oh, yeah, you started telling me about this So he's shot with a tranquilizer dart, and it's supposed to bring down a velociraptor, right? 
Yeah. So he's dead because that would send you into some kind of cardiac arrest or it would. It's not designed for a human. Right. Like you've died now again. And he's laying on the jungle floor dead, but not. Not. He's fine. No, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. But then he regains his uh, consciousness, but then he can't move. So he's like uh, redeveloping the, the musculature movement really quick. And of course, it goes fingers out, which doesn't happen. If you have a child, you know they develop um, stability head down, torso out. And that's how you would regain motor function if you were to be tranquilized with Velociraptor tranquilizer. And survive it. And then survive it. Yeah, of course. So he's rediscovering the fact that he can move his body. Okay. But at the same time, the sense of danger is a actual lava flow that is inches from him, like from his fingers. And then he twitches out of the way and then it's on his watch and it like singes his clothing. And it's no, you've cooked like you're dead. Like it's super hot. That it's like that, lava doesn't work that way. You can't just sit next like the people in the videos, you know, they're wearing like bomb suits. Like they have like super protective gear on, like a spacesuit for volcanoes. And he's just in his little crocodile like jungle dundee outfit, jungle yeah. outfit. Yeah, and it's your clothes should be on fire. Your hands should have at least third degree burns on it just from proximity from the lava. And you didn't exactly roll fast enough like i'm calculating the rate of flow the lava is coming at you at this speed and you didn't make it like you're the camera angles are you're dead as soon as the lava hits a log the log just like bursts into flames but no it hits his shirt and his shirt just goes he has that good good plot armor he does yeah and it's nice to have him in the whole movie yeah i mean i've imprinted now so he's the main character for me right and So that's how many ways is that? Volcano, lava, tranquilizer, water, T-Rex head. That's five. You got it. That's five. So yeah, I'm going to say that's five. There's probably more, but it's a long movie. Okay. But it was good? Do you recommend it? I mean, I guess this is kind of like- Oh, 100%. Yes, of course. There's just, especially if you enjoyed Jurassic Park. I'm not talking about Jurassic Park, you know, two and three. Though you can, you know, I can take those or leave those. Yeah. But Jurassic Park, OG, and there's so many little things. And you know, I have the memory. I have such a vivid memory for everything. Everything. Yeah. So, I mean, you might not pick up on all of these. I guess they're Easter eggs, right? This yeah. is what an Easter egg is. Yeah. That there's always a child in danger in the Jurassic movies. Yep. It's Lex and Tim. In the first film. So when Lex is in the kitchen trying desperately to close the door of that little dumbwaiter thing, there there's a shot of that. And the way it's framed, the way she moves, her uh, facial expression, uh, how many times she tries to close the door as the dinosaur is coming at her, that exact same thing, sequence, shot, angle everything happens in this movie to the child that's in danger okay and i love that and i'm sitting next to my friend who also loves this stuff and i'm pretty sure we destroyed this experience for the 14 year old boy sitting next to me because we just i mean we were whispering but we talked the entire time and i'm sorry and i should have bought the ticket next to me and the ticket next to her because we need that buffer around us we didn't expect the theater to be that full though 
So really, whose fault is it? And when the bad dinosaur comes into the estate bedroom off the balcony, yes, we've gone from a volcano to an, uh, I'm going to say, Northern Californian estate. Okay. It's like an the old... dinosaurs are there now. An old-timey manner. Yeah, the dinosaurs are there now. Don't ask me how, but it made perfect sense, of course. And the dinosaur is coming into the bedroom. The curtain billows a bit, much like... Yes, it's when the velociraptors open the door and come into the kitchen hunting the kids. And the foot hits the ground and the claw taps a couple times on the floor. And that same shot framed up in the exact same way floor, it hits the floor. And I leaned over to my friend and I said, that claw is going to tap a couple times. And then it totally did. It totally tapped a couple times. So not only are these shots predictable, which makes them, oh, like kind of, oh, why are you doing this? But I just, I eat it up. It's so good. I love that stuff. like Easter egg nostalgia stuff. Oh, and it's just, it's these tiny little things like a toe tap. But yeah. I love it. Like, I'll pay an extra dollar for that. So how about for the people who, like, haven't necessarily seen the first movies or haven't seen them in a really long time, like me? Like, how does this... If, if you liked Jurassic World, what would you tell somebody who's thinking about going to see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom but hasn't yet? Well, do it. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I intend to, yes. But... But, like, how does it, I mean, like, broad strokes, how does it compare? I don't do broad strokes. I know. That was a bad question for you. Okay, so how does it compare to what? To Jurassic World. Hmm. In tone. I mean, I guess tone is maybe a better question for you. I'm going to say there's underlying darkness where in the first Jurassic World there was not. It was just kind of a fun-loving, look, we're doing Jurassic Park again for that good, good millennial money. Yeah. Like we just talked about. And following a classic action sequel, you have to find all the crew, you know, and they're doing their own stuff. So you have to get the gang back together. You have to convince everyone to come along and do the mission that you want to do. But once you complete the mission, you realize that you've been betrayed, which all of this is sort of predictable. Yeah. And you know, like, oh, he's the big bad, you know, at the at the end of something. And you can kind of pull that stuff out. Yeah. But it's the way that they convince the audience that these dinosaurs are animals that deserve to be saved, not because they're de-extinct, but because humans did this to them. Like, they didn't chose to be de-extinct, but now we have to save them because we did this. It's our fault. There's kind of this darkness that goes so far past using these animals as entertainment only because it, it's hinted in the first one that they they want them to be weaponized and how that would work but then the whole thing goes up in smoke because they have to abandon the island but now that they're rescued it's we can use this and we have a theory on how to do it and then they're ending up trying to sell them as weapons instead of just having them around like in a zoo like atmosphere okay so it's coming to grips with that, and do they deserve to be saved from that, or do you just let them all? So does does it fall into some of the like pitfalls of a second movie in a trilogy, where it's more setting up for the third movie than telling its own story? I feel like the first one was not setting up for a second, yeah. but the second is setting up for a third. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, is that what you're talking about? It does. It feels like the second is not a full thought. It's like part of... The puzzle, but you need the next one to really figure out the rest in a way. Well, 
I think that's what they wanted, but there's this major thing. I mean, there's obviously spoilers in this. Are we going to cap that? I mean, it's all been spoilers. I don't think oh, this is I a mean, movie it's where not, spoilers it's, are like Yeah, a it's thing. not a huge thing. But at the very beginning, the argument that was being made was, does the government, the U.S. government, does the U.S. government get involved in rescuing these dinosaurs from an island? And they decide, no, it's a private venture, so it's not a public... It's not a public issue. There's no public in danger. There's no reason for us to go get them. So no, you don't get government funding, right? That's at the very, very beginning. And by the end of it, it's all the dinosaurs are loose in California. So the next logical step is the government is now going to get involved and just kill them all. Like, yeah, cause well. That, well, that's what you would do, right? If there was a dangerous animal in the suburbs, you capture it and or kill it yeah if there's a black bear roaming around the neighborhood the people come out and they trank it and it bounces off the trampoline and that gets put on the internet and then it it goes back to where it came from but if it's something like a dinosaur where you know it's nature and you know that it's just going to hunt to kill then you destroy it like that's just what's going to happen so they're trying to set that up like oh what's going to happen now and it's kind of an obvious next step so I don't know what they're going to do with the third but one. I guess I kind of assumed it was going this way because it's called Jurassic World. It feels like this is what they wanted to get to with the reboot. And it took three movies to get to that point. Well, and how is it going to be a Jurassic World if they're all female? Like we're going back to the first part where genetic codes of some African frogs can switch from male to female. But now that they're all completely spread out across wherever they want to be, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know. They'll hand wave it away. I'm sure. They'll yeah. do something. Pay no attention here. It's a great dinosaur movie. That'll be thirteen fifty. Yeah, there you go. Cool. Any last thoughts about Jurassic King? Wait, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. I keep forgetting the name of this one. It's just Jurassic. I don't know. It's the the Jurassic World movie. It's the next one. The next one. Don't expect to be confused. Don't expect to be surprised. And it's basically a BuzzFeed clickbait article set to extreme operatic music and i loved it okay that's fair that's kind of what i expected but i'm glad you liked it so much which mm. is why i'm glad that you got to talk about it i definitely see it again oh and you might with me whenever in theaters just because yeah. it is better on the big screen it's a bob movie better on the oh i get it better huh. on big screen mm -hmm. um cool i should give a quick shout out to the network i don't know what the shows are having for their topics this week because we are recording off of our normal schedule um but check out geekitude with ray and joe and tea time with katie and chelsea both are fantastic shows on the network uh this is where we normally do weekly geekery i have a bunch of stuff that probably isn't going to interest you as much but i have a couple things i can pull out but first do you have any weekly geekery besides that so i have a couple geekeries one is i've been sewing a lot and i learned how to sew in eighth grade like home at class stuff uh just the basics of how a machine worked and little things i relearned about a year ago when my friend and i wanted to make some knitting project bags and I learned how to read a pattern and I learned about the notions and different like accoutrement you need to make a thing. And when I got a sewing machine for Christmas last year, yeah, I think I started really small. I made a couple big blankets, I think, for our bed just out of fleece. And those turned out fine. 
and I got into making baby things. So receiving blankets and burp cloths and the the different flannel prints, really bright colors and all this stuff was really fun. So I kept going with it and made some flannel pajama pants for me and flannel pajama pants for our daughter. And those turned out so cute. And I'm starting to build up this stash of notions and starting to build up this stash of fabrics and it's kind of turned our closet half into knitting stuff and half into sewing stuff because you need to have a stash obviously and when there was a fabric quarter sale I went and got so many different cotton fabric quarters and I ordered a bunch of zippers off of Amazon because there's a YouTube video that makes it super easy to make a little lined zipper pouch. So coordinating those fabrics and coordinating them with the different zipper colors that I got, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I can probably make 120 little zipper pouches now and I can't wait to get started. Cool. Yeah, it's been fun to see, especially because it's almost like when you first well, not first got into knitting, but like when you seriously got into knitting a few years ago and you were going to like knit nights and you would like get stuff almost every week until you had your stash built up. It's not exactly the same, but it reminds me of that, like that kind of enthusiasm around like a new thing and you want to like build up all your supplies for it. Yeah, it's been really fun to collect everything that I need and yeah. basically taking over downstairs because we don't have an extra room to like be a sewing room or anything and if it takes two days for me to make a pair of flannel pajama pants I'm not going to put everything away between so the kids kind of eat at the coffee table for two days and I have the dining room table like just covered in stuff but the stuff I make ends up being pretty cute and I'm still learning but it's been a lot of fun and I'm going to be making a lot more stuff. My other thing is really cool. I'm getting my tattoo finished at the end of this month and it'll be a half sleeve on this is my right arm. Yeah. Yeah. So a half sleeve finished on my right arm. So my forearms have um, knitting tattoos on them already and I'm adding a floral thing to uh, the right side. And the first session was four hours and it didn't get finished. So I have half of a, basically an empty rose, just a rose outline. And I'm really excited to get that finished. And it's going to be really great. And it's going to kill my grandma. She really doesn't like tattoos. <laughs> uh, when she saw the the skulls on this one, she said, but why skulls though? And I said, well, don't worry, I'm going to put some flowers around it eventually. And she goes, oh, okay, yeah, flowers. And then I showed her the flowers and they're like textured, but black and gray, like they're not colored or anything like that. And they're not going to be. And she saw that and she's like, but I thought it was going to be like colorful. I'm like, no, I, sorry, grandma, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. So I don't know what she's going to think when it's finished. Like, it's a really pretty rose. It's just not red. And I think that bothers her even more. Well, I'm glad that you're getting it finished. I'm excited to see it done, too. It's always cool to see them develop. Um, my geekery this week, I you're trying to subtly drink water. Go ahead. You can do it. It's okay. My geekery this week, I have a couple things. One is uh, Mario Tennis Aces, which I think it's, it's decent. Uh, I played through the whole thing. And I beat it, but I wanted it to be more of like a sports RPG, kind of like Golf Story was, which I don't think you ever saw, but I really like Golf Story and like this, this didn't scratch the same itch. It's still like 
a solid game at the core, but it doesn't have that like RPG-ness to it that I wanted. Um, but if you want to play like a Mario sports game online or like local play, this could be a really good game for that. But mostly I wanted to mention it with you here because like I kind of finished with it pretty quick, but then the kids have been playing it almost every day. So you've seen it a bunch. Do you have any thoughts about it? I don't know why the wooden racket would be more powerful than a, like a metal racket, like a fiberglass metal racket i don't it's mario i i don't know i don't know that one either i was kind of wondering that myself we just covered this i don't accept the premise of the game if you can start with a wooden racket but it will turn into a better racket eventually and it's not going to be made of wood the best one is on fire which doesn't seem safe well if we learned anything from chris pratt fire doesn't matter Okay. Um, The other thing this week was we took the kids. Well, the kids really wanted to go and they had some money left over from Christmas. So we went to Dave and Buster's and it's always interesting to see like what they latch onto there. But they played Luigi's Mansion, which is like a full arcade cabinet Luigi's Mansion version. I thought that was pretty cool. They seemed to like it a lot. They did like that. And the last time we went to Dave and Buster's, I played it with one of them and then you played it with the other one. So this time they wanted to play it together and i mean it's not that they're super good at it like i'm sitting there with their little point cards just refilling it and refilling it every single time so they could play to their heart's content and then they left but it's i think they liked having the big blaster thing like they get to hold it yeah like the whole vacuum thing yeah and it's a vacuum and they get to suck up ghosts and coins and fight little mini bosses and kind of figure out where the trail is going and i don't know i mean it's a it's a big video game that yeah. they liked well then they ran around and did all the ticket games and got tickets and prizes which they love that at the end too my favorite part is when we tell them okay you have this many like tickets to spend yeah. in the little prize area and they spend so much time figuring out what they want and they kind of triage it and then math it all together to because Our son, who is six, will say, I really want this thing that is 1,400 tickets. And he'll carry it around for a minute. But that's his whole budget is like 1,407. And he'll find something else. And he's like, well, which one do I want more? Yeah, he always wants more than one thing. So he'll never get that Like the one big big thing. thing, Yeah, Yeah, he'll never get the one big thing. But the thing with him is he will grab several smaller items that add up to almost his total and he'll have enough left over but he'll end up rolling that over to the next Dave and Buster's trip because he's just um he's nothing's blown his skirt up today (laughs) apart from this little shopping cart that he already has and I just remember being a kid I would never do that Uh, even if I knew I was coming back to Dave and Buster's or whatever like Chuck E. Cheese or Cheapskate or wherever you get tickets to spend at the little prize counter even if I was coming back the very next day I would not roll over tickets I would not keep them for use the next time and he did that he had 500 that he rolled over and then he had 152 that he rolled over yesterday so i don't know that blows my mind yeah but it's fun to take them 
Cool. Well, thank you for being the guest host. Any final thoughts for the listeners before we depart? What? No, I was just sneaking another drink of water from this gallon-sized jug. <laughs> okay, that'll about do it for this week. Uh, you can write to us with questions, comments, suggestions, feedback. Our email address is geekgeekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash geek2geekcast. And you can always get me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. Uh, that'll about do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.